Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. You have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. I'm glad you've joined me today. As you can see, I'm coming to you from the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky. And today I have Alex Kendrick as my guest in the studio. We are so excited. We're going to be talking about culture with an emphasis on discipleship. You guys are going to love this conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thank you guys for tuning in today. For those of you who are joining me at Faith That Speaks, we are about halfway through our study on Genesis 1 to 11. If you want more information on that, go to faiththatspeaks.com. If you guys have been watching my travel season this week, I will be in just a few days headed to uh, Florida for the Florida Parent Educators Association. And you can find out more at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. All right, I am thrilled today to have a writer, producer, uh, and executive director of movies you guys all know and love, uh, Fireproof, Courageous, oh my goodness, uh, and Alex Kendrick is here, and we're going to be talking about the role of Christians in entertainment and what his focus is on his new movie coming out. Alex, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be back with you. We've done this before, and I love being here at the Ark. Oh, it's just man. incredible. Yeah, it really does take your breath away, doesn't it? Does. It? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Just to come and see the size of it, they tried to make it close to the biblical proportions as mentioned in scripture. And if you've not been, you got to come. Yeah, I agree. It's life-changing. It really is. Uh, I want to jump right into this because it's such an honor for me to have you here. Thanks for taking Thank the you. time to do this. You have become very well known in Christian circles for making movies that are really causing people to think. Think about eternity. Think about our relationships with our families. And they've made an impact in the culture. What are you guys up to now? You know, we, we every time we do a film, starting with the flywheel, which was a small one, meant for our community. <laughs> I and saw a flywheel and yeah. I'm not in his community. So yeah, it was meant for the community. God had bigger plans. We gave it to him. That's the one thing we did right with that film. <laughs> and it kind of exploded, did Facing the Giants next, mm -hmm. Fireproof, Courageous, War Room a few years ago, Overcomer. We have a new documentary called Show Me the Father that's out now that's being used in prisons across America. But if you, you can see that, you can stream that online. What is the point of that one? So Show Me the Father, what's the premise? First documentary we've done, and we found some true stories of men that were either um, disconnected from their dad and how they found God to be the perfect father. Of course, God is the perfect mm. father for all of us. None of us have a perfect dad. Some of us have a painful stories of our relationship with our dad. So to understand that God, our creator, is the perfect father and, uh, and that we get to know him in that regard is powerful. You know, Jesus talked about when you when you... Pray to the Father. He's not just God. He is Father. And so uh, Show Me the Father has some twists and turns, and we explore father, fatherhood from a biblical vantage point, from a healing vantage point for those that lost their dad or, or, or never felt like they had a, a present father in their life. And, and there were some startling stories that we found and people that we interviewed, and I promise it will take your breath away if you watch it. It's called Show Me the Father. You can stream it. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to check that out. A lot of people listening to this know, you may not know, I wrote a book called Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with All This in You for Your Family and Your Faith. And I talked about my relationship with my own dad, which was very tumultuous. I grew up in an abusive home. The police are, gen you know, they were a regular part of my childhood growing up. And it really is true that when you grow up with that broken idea of what a good father should look like, it messes with how you see God. Yes, it does. It really, really does. But we know, uh, you know, and, and the Lord has been doing, I just spoke about this earlier today at the Creation Museum. I got married at 19, about as broken as a 19-year-old girl could be. Mm. And God in his mercy 
uh, has been showing me that he's also the healer. Yes. And so to yes. call him father when you've come from that place, it really is. I can't wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna run right out and that's. And I'm, it's interesting. Our first concept of God mm-hmm. and what God must be like. We, we use the filter of whatever our relationship is yep. with our earthly father yeah. to get our first. So if you had a rough relationship with your earthly dad, you imagine God responding. So if your earthly dad was distant, didn't act like he cared, you imagine God to be distant, act right. like he doesn't care. If your earthly dad is close and nurturing, you imagine God to be close and nurturing. So sometimes we have to separate those, separate what our earthly dad was like with mm-hmm. what God, the perfect father, is like and connect to him. This this uh, documentary, Show Me the Father, is about that and how certain people begin to understand who God is and His love for them, and it just breaks them as they weep and it draws them to the Lord. So we love that. So we're, we were really, really happy to uh, to have done that documentary. I'm curious in in uh, the documentary, did you address the issue of fatherlessness, which yes. really is? I mean, it's reaching a fever pitch here yes. in the country, and I think the root of so many things that are going wrong, especially in our inner cities. When we uh, talked to uh, some of the leaders of statistics in our prison systems, they said one of the common factors is when they see um, rapists, uh, uh, repeat offenders over and over, the common factor was like 98% of them did not have a healthy relationship with their dad. And they said that is very telling. Mm. And so that was one of the things that jumped out at us when we were making it. Would it be something that a, a dad who's just like, man, I want to, I want to do better at this dad thing? Would he be encouraged by watching he, that? He would, and you know, you know, a lot of us, a lot of the dads that realize, wow, I hurt my kids in some mm. way by the way I brought them up, or treated them in younger years. For them to connect to God the Father and then reconnect with their children brings a lot of healing. It is not always easy, and it is a path, but it is a healthy path toward healing. So for a father to see this, no matter where they are, mm-hmm. and you know, for all, all of us had a dad ha, have dad stories. All of us, yep. some are nurturing and wonderful, and some are hard to talk about and brings a tear to your eye. Mm-hmm. So, uh, show me the father is when they said uh, the disciples said to Jesus, "Show us the father." And then Jesus says, "If you've seen me, you've seen the father." So our connection to a perfect father is through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And so it had a bigger impact than I was anticipating for a documentary especially, but but people are being touched more than uh, we expected. And so if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to see Show Me the Father. I love that. The next project you've got coming is you're really going to hit the topic of discipleship, which, you know, kind of we've fallen down on the job in discipleship. So we have a lot of immature, a lot of baby Christians that never did get past the milk part of their exactly. relationship with God. What motivated you to uh, to pursue a film about a topic like that? We laid the groundwork in prayer, started saying, God, what direction do we, do we go? Uh-huh. For example, each of our films, War Room, for example, a focus on strategic prayer. Yeah. Uh, Overcomer was about finding your identity in Christ. So this new one is about discipleship. The focus is out of Luke chapter 9. Jesus says something very interesting and, and hard to digest. We know from the book of Ephesians, salvation through Christ is a gift. It's a gift of salvation. But discipleship has a cost. Mm -hmm. Discipleship will cost you. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, and and in 13, if you will, uh, when the disciples were following him and a group was following him, he turns and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. In other words, if you think about that, first denying yourself. Ouch. Okay, I got to die to myself. Yeah. And then what is a cross even for to take up my cross and follow Jesus? A well, cross was for death. Yeah. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us. So there are things you will have to die to to be a disciple. 
And then Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 9, consider the cost. Do not do it flippantly. Do not think, I'll just try it and then I'll back away. But if you think about it in Scripture, when you read all of the disciple stories, the Apostle Paul, others, they were devotedly following Jesus when they did the number of miracles they did and they had the impact that they made. So what we're learning, Heidi, is um, we don't just need more converts Mm -hmm. to Christianity. If they're converted to Christianity and not discipled, we end up with a a whole generation of lukewarm Christians. Wow, and what impact That's does where that we are. make? Yes, it yeah. is. So, so we need uh, to convert them, yes, through evangelism, and then to disciple them. What does the Great Commission say? Go into all the world. And do what? Baptize them. In the name of the Father, yeah, yeah. the Son, and the Holy so Spirit. He doesn't say go into all the world and make converts. Yeah. He says go into all the world and make disciples yes, of all nations. That's right. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey all that I've um, taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus, is, is his call is to make disciples. So don't just win them to faith. Help them grow so that they don't, they're not a bad witness because they're so lukewarm. Oh, man. And so this new movie we're making is focuses on discipleship. It follows a 19-year-old young man who does not have a dad in his life at, at the beginning part of the movie. And then a godly man wins him to Christ and begins discipling him. And we see over a two-year period what it looks like for this 19-year-old to grow in Christ. The movie ends when he's 21 and he's fired up to win his generation and his community for Christ and then to watch them be discipled as well. So when you and I choose to follow Jesus, it means we're going to die to some things. For me, it was, all right, God, you're calling me to make movies, but this is how I want it to look. And I had to die to the fact God said, no, Alex, you, you were more interested in impressing men with your artistry or creativity, mm-hmm. we do want to draw them, but you want to draw them because the power of God is on what you're doing, not that you individually are so impressive. So I had to say, okay, God, I'm, let me die to myself and set that to the side. What do you want me to wow. do? And the Lord starts saying, this is the focus for this project. This is the focus. For this. So I've still never made a movie I wanted to make. <laughs> I, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And so when God points us in a certain direction, this time for discipleship, I follow him and there's more fruit than I ever made. Oh, man. I want to go, uh, I'm going to touch on something you said, it, and it, it, it kind of comes, I think, off of the idea for the movie. But talk to parents today about discipling children, yeah. right? Because this is the primary discipleship that we are engaging in. The moment the Lord gives us children, that discipleship starts at home. And it seems to me we're really struggling to understand this right now. Exactly. All right. So I have six kids. We both have a lot of kids. Thank you, God. So I have six (laughs) kids. So the first thing, I cannot teach my children from Scripture to do something if I show no interest in doing it myself. That is a terrible example. Now, it, it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means I'm not being a good example. So what I've learned, Heidi, is... I first have to say, God, as I teach my children, walk them through scripture, first, would you speak to me? Would you help me be pursuing you? Would you apply it to me? So they see my effort in doing it. And, and in that, you know, our, our actions are just as valuable as our words, if not more valuable. If not more, yeah. Yeah, impactful. So I'm, I took my six children through the entire Bible over a seven-year period. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to do it that way, but I said, this is, this is the most important aspect of my life, that I belong to Jesus Christ as a believer, as a saved Christian, that my eternity is with him. Mm-hmm. And so now how do I honor him in this life before I get to my rest in eternity? And so I start walking him through that. And so we turned off the television. We have a television. What? We turned it off. What? We Alex, can you turn off yeah. the television? In the evenings, we're going to spend more time <laughs> relating as a family, eating as a family, praying as a family. 
going through scripture as a family. We did not do it legalistically. We That's did it. important. Yes. That's really important because you can people go, oh, they're looking for a formula. And I'm always no. telling friends, there is no formula for this. You've got to listen to the Lord. Correct. Every family looks a little bit different. God's looking at the heart of the parent, Correct. right? So basically, chase Jesus. Yeah. Chase after him. Your relationship with him is the most important thing. So we, we did that through scripture. We'd have casual conversations. I'd let each kid read a scripture, break it down for us. What do you see? It may not be very deep at first. We would talk. We would pray it through. So we did that over a seven-year period. Uh, before my kids started, started going to college. And when wow. they went to college, this is what they kept saying to me. Dad, I, I'm in a Christian group at college here and there. Thank you for what yeah. you and mom did. Yeah. I didn't realize how rare it was until I met a whole world of other people and almost nobody did the same thing. Yeah. So nobody valued scripture. So I, I have no um, accusation to make toward anybody, only the encouragement, chase the Lord, mm. chase the Lord. So discipleship is, in its simplest terms, help them to know and follow Jesus. Just help them to know and follow Jesus, which means you and I as parents need to be doing the very same thing. And so um, that is it in its simple ingredients. That's what it is. Know Jesus and follow him, worship him. And so discipleship is how do I follow Jesus? How do I love Jesus? How do I obey Jesus? How do I make him such a part of my life that I exude the fact that my faith is in him? And so uh, we love doing it, and it's fulfilling. It is hard. Yes. Yeah. But it is. It is. It There's is no the easy best. button. Exactly. There is no easy button. <laughs> Where's the easy button? That's right. Not there. Uh, I love to tell audiences that you can't pass on what you don't possess. You can't yeah. give what you don't have. You can't pour from an empty cup. And it's so important to be in the Word of God for yourself every single day. Father, what do you want me to do with my day today? Help me be. Uh, godly in the way that I interact with my kids. And it doesn't mean we do it perfectly, right. right? When we're raising all those kids, I'm assuming you've had a few moments you're not proud of uh, yes. uh, raising your children. More than a few. Right, more than a few, uh, and <laughs> as I have had. And, but it's amazing as our kids have, have grown and are having children of their own, uh, the, the love really does cover a multitude yes, of sins, right? To see them come back and walk with the Lord and, and say, man, thank you, God, for using uh, little old me and, and my, you know, the, the offering that I gave, even on days that I wasn't at my best, God will finish in your children what he's begun in them through you. That's so true. Oh, my goodness. And the, and the same thing to remember is this. Um, when your kids know that you love them, they will listen. To you. If they question whether you love them, they will question what you're saying. So I have learned my first, in, uh, my first role in discipling my children is to love them. And when they know dad loves me, then when I say something, they consider it, digest it, or uh, immediately accept ah, it. When I don't show that I love them, they're like, no. Yeah. No. It, even if I'm, what I'm saying is 100% true. Yeah, if you're angry, you're speaking in anger, if you're yeah. speaking out of frustration, or if you said, I'm sorry, 100 times, they're like, no, you're actually not sorry because you keep doing the same thing. Correct. And you keep saying you're sorry, but the action of being sorrowful isn't following. Correct. Um, I've got a, a really important question to ask you because- I speak to women all around the country uh, all the time. And the number one question that I get from moms, because we do a Q&A, is how do I encourage my husband to be a leader in our home, a spiritual yeah. leader in our home? I think there's a lot of frustration. Uh, the feminist movement has certainly not done women any favors. What are we on, 15th wave feminism right now? Uh, there's been such an attack against the family, an attack against masculinity, which has made this, uh, this idea of leading families, I think, even more difficult and more frustrating. But I'm wondering if you can give some encouragement, sure. not just to dads, but also to um, moms and to wives who are longing to see their husbands take a place of spiritual leadership at home. Okay, so the two things that immediately come to mind. First, 
And this is not a cop-out answer. Pray for your husband. Pray for your husband. Ask the Lord to capture the heart of your husband. And and secondly, speak life into your husband. Mm. Most men respond to affirmation. You know, Wait, you're saying nagging's not going to work? Right. Wait, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just making sure we're on the same page. You know, you know it's <laughs> interesting. Um, even, and let me, let me be daring here for a second. Even in intimacy, a woman wants to feel loved going into, into yes. intimacy. A man feels loved coming out of intimacy. So true. So if you think about that, you think, okay, so there's two different strategies depending on what you should do for your spouse, mm-hmm. right? So a man sets the stage in nurturing and loving his wife to get to that point. And a wife can can go into that point knowing he's going to feel loved coming out of it. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, so pray for your husband. If he is not walking with God, if he's not the leader that you need him to be, pray for him. And secondly, even when he does not deserve it, try to speak life into him. Men have a universal language of respect. Men, men that, that is one way to love your husband, to respect him. It doesn't mean he's going to initially change, but if you don't respect him, his wall will go up. So put that into a practical, I love this, uh, put it into a practical term. So there's a, a mom or a wife and she's really frustrated because she said to her husband, man, I'd love it if you just initiate family yeah. devotions. I'd love it if you pray for our family in the evenings or whatever, but he's just not responding. How, what does she say? What does she do? Because I think that the temptation, I love that you said that the language of men is re- is respect actually it turns out God said that yeah he God did. knows yes. God yes. knows who He created right <laughs> women need to feel loved men need to feel respected and yeah. honored how does that work for a woman in practical terms when she when she longs for this in her heart and we're trying to say is love your husband through this what does it look like in practical terms yes so I'm this I could tell you this when my wife comes to me and there is a flavor of respect in what she's asking me to do I am open. Okay. I am open. And I may not act like I'm open initially, but when she's <laughs> respectful to me, I, I don't disregard it at all. I mm-hmm. find myself, okay, I need to think about this, mm-hmm. or I need to immediately apply this because she's being respectful. And I feel honored as her husband. It, if she comes to me and she's angry and comes in a nagging Condescending. tone, immediately my wall goes up. I'm not saying it's okay that it goes up. I just find myself putting the wall up because there's mm-hmm. no respect there. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're firing at me. My defenses go up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's right for me to do, but I'm saying it's common among men to do that. Mm-hmm. So you are a wise wife to say, God, first, I want to pray for my husband. Secondly, would you help me speak life into him, be respectful when I come to him. And you can go straight to the Lord who understands men perfectly and say, God, would you help me speak life into him where I, and and my prayers for him or even my request of him respectfully to lead these spiritual times. And if he won't do it, would you allow him to give me authority and permission to do it? Knowing that when I'm leading, he will want to come step up and lead eventually. So sometimes a man that says, okay, my wife's being respectful. She wants to be the spiritual leader. I'll let her do it. And then after a while, he's like, I should be doing this. And so she can, by her example of, of respect, draw him into it. I've seen that happen as well. So, But ultimately, your prayers are so important to say, God, capture the heart of my husband, draw him to you. And uh, a wise wife will do that. So, oh, man, this is so encouraging. I mean, come on, let's be honest. My husband in nearly 35 years standing right there. He's about to preach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He's just doing some heart work for us right now. Uh, take a minute and just address the heart of a husband who yeah. is faltering. How do I lead my family? 
I don't know how to do it. I didn't see it modeled at home. Right. And when my wife, my, my wife says, hey, would you be the spiritual leader in our home? It makes my head explode. It feels overwhelming. Uh, talk to him. So a lot of guys don't feel like they can be the spiritual leader of their home because of their own walk with God. Mm. But you and I need Jesus in every aspect of our life and in the lives of our children especially. So it's, Lord, would you please help me get right with you to say, God, would you tenderize my own heart? And if I've got struggles, if I got addictions in some way that are preventing me from being the example I need to be, you and I must get those right first. We say, God, please help me get right with you. When we, when we do this and surrender to the Lord, he can clean us. Then a man should say, God, would you help me to lead the hearts of my children? Help me to love them while they will listen to me. I've seen so many men do a 360 and or a 180 and completely turn around and say, God, would you help me? And God can do miracles if you will let him. He is in the business of resurrecting dead Come things. On. You may say, oh, the, the respect for my kids is gone. I've blown my witness is gone. God can resurrect that if you'll let him. He's a really good, good God, a really good person to, to resurrect things. So trust him with it. Ask God to forgive you. He will seek him sincerely. Then ask the Lord to turn your heart, the hearts of your children toward you. And as a man, you can lead. It doesn't have to be rocket science. You can sit down and say, hey, can we just read this chapter of Scripture yes. together? Yeah. Go through the Gospels. Go through the book of John. Go through a proverb a day and watch what God does. You will be amazed. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm so encouraged by this. And I know there are a lot of people listening that are just like, that is what I needed today. Listen, it's the family that's under attack in the culture yeah. right now. Marriage is under attack. The adversary knows if he can take out your marriage, he's got a clean shot at your children. Yeah. Protect your marriage, you guys. Protect your marriage. Love each other. And I often, I often think about just my example in setting, in loving my husband for my children. I didn't see it modeled well, but you know what, you guys? Alex is right. God is the healer. God is the one who will help you do the thing that feels so impossible to you right now. And you will live to see a story of God's faithfulness that yes. will reverberate for generations. Alex Kendrick, what a pleasure. Thank you, Thank Heidi. you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Can you stick around for a few more minutes? I'm sure. going to ask you some questions for happy hour. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can go to KendrickBrothers.com, or I'm also on Facebook, um, The Alex Kendrick, um, because there's fake ones out there. Yes, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. Hey, you guys, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Love your families well. You guys nurture your marriages. And I will see you right back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and